Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 65, and tonight we're going to take a look at the apparition. And oh boy, I just love what I saw. And then we have a whole bunch of quickie reviews to get to because I saw a whole bunch of stuff that's not worth talking about for a hell of a long time. Not that the apparition is, but you know what? We're going to pretend it's bigger than it is. Okay? Okay. That's what she said. That's what he said. That's what most people say. But you know what I say? Let's play a promo and then get down to business. Hey, you cool cats. You out there listening to the chitter chatter on your iPod machine. Why don't you come on and drop by N-O-T-L-P.com and check out six nasty Cincinnati kids talking about the shit you like. Oh yeah. Night of the Living Podcast. Well, I, I like it because they talk about topics that are important to me as a man of uh, of my generation. I like it when the little guy talks about pornography. I like the recipe segments. I'm really hoping that eventually they tell a joke I can borrow for one of my mini cocktail parties. I just don't like to be alone in my head. There you have it. Your brothers and sisters agree. Night of the Living Podcast is where it's at, homie. Hello, everyone. I'm finally back. I'm finally back after my little break from doing the show. I hope you weren't worried. I hope you weren't worried. No, I'm back now. And now we're reunited and feels so good anyway there's been a lot going on so the chatter section might be a little longer than usual because i've got like three weeks of crap to talk about now anyway it was really hard even sitting down to record this show just because i have been in a funk lately there's been a lot of crap going on and none of it has been particularly fun and it all happened all at once uh to give you a nutshell snapshot mini picture of what's been happening first of all brad has had some legal stuff that's been going on and it's been tedious it's been humiliating i'm not going into what it's about but it involves the house finances and it's just been terrible i mean i don't know how i'm paying my rent this month now because they're just i can't touch anything it's really weird it's really pain in the ass and it's depressing and it's depressing him. He's working really hard on it. But, you know, even then, he just gets so frustrated and he'll go to bed for a day because I can't face anybody. And I totally get it. I totally get it. Because I kind of want to crawl into the bed myself and, I don't know, eat dust bunnies for the rest of my life. Because, um, yum. And on top of this, my parents sold the house that I grew up in, my childhood home, and it closed two weeks ago. Uh, and it's depressing. That was depressing in and of itself, just because it's coming so hot on the heels of my sister Teresa's passing last year. You know, she died last September, and now the house we all grew up in is gone, and so it's just two big 
you know, end chapters to my life that happened once, and it's it it was a lot. But wait, it gets worse because during all of this, just before they closed, my mother fell. Now, some of you might recall she fell a while ago, and she had no, she didn't break her, she didn't have to have her hip replaced, but she broke her leg just below her hip. So now she fell again, and she's eighty. Now, she's no spring chicken anymore. I mean, she is a spry, active 80, but still, a fall at that age is serious. And this turned out to be fairly serious as well. Uh, although we really don't know what happened with it yet, because her leg just swelled up, and her right leg was all swollen up, but she was in horrible screaming pain for a week, 10 days, something like that, but they couldn't do any... Nothing showed up on the x-rays. They couldn't do an MRI because of the metal in her leg from the last fall. But this happened like when they were supposed to be moving. And so now I'm worried about her. I'm worried about the house. I'm sad about the house. And on top of it, the people that are moving in are assholes. Ass holes. They're assholes with hats. Ass hat holes is what they are. Because I'll maybe I'll put a link up to pictures of my of our house our former house, or as I used to call it, the Clampett Mansion. Because it's this big, sprawling, Victorian-era monstrosity, which my parents bought for a song because uh, it had been completely run down. Like, these two old cat ladies lived in it, and you know, and literally they have 37 cats, and they had to put a lick of, hadn't put a lick of work into the house in 30 years. So it was falling apart, and it, it was so gross from the cat smell that we had to feel, it was two years after my parents bought it that we were even able to move in because it took that long to fumigate it. Anyway, my parents lovingly restored this house and it was gorgeous and parquet floors and found all this wonderful stuff that had just been covered up by paint like the parquet floors and all these built-in fixtures and they made it into this beautiful, beautiful restoration home that you know the town loved because the, the, the town of Long Island they, they, we live in, it's one of the oldest towns, there's lots of old homes and they were thrilled that this was restored to its glory. When these people put a bid in for the house, they sent a letter to my parents, I think the wife did, saying how much we love the home, we love your home so much, and we respect all the work that you've done with it, and we promise that we're not going to do a thing to compromise the history and beauty of this home. They fucking lied. They fucking lied because it turns out my parents forgot something in the move. They forgot some end table that they wanted or something, and my dad went back to pick it up. And this was after the closing, so they were already in there. And while he was there, he heard them talking to the contractor, and the contractor kept saying over and over, are you sure you want me to do this? Because it's going to ruin this house. You're ruining this house. I'm not going to do it unless you swear that this is what you want, and you're not going to come back and complain later because you're turning this house beautiful Victorian jewel of a house into a piece of shit with whatever the hell they were doing. And they said, yep, but what's what we want to do? The next day, everything had been torn out and was on the house. It was on the the uh, the curb. All the parquet floors, the staircase was torn out. This wonderful dynasty-like staircase had been torn out. And all those built-in fixtures like this cabinet, china cabinet, torn out, torn out, torn out. All the antique stuff, torn out. Stuff that had been there for 120 years, torn out, left on the curb. So they could put in their fucking Ikea furniture and make it Swedish. Fuck you. So all of this put together was just a huge, huge burden. And... 
I just said I need a break. But you know what? We're past that now. We're not past it, but you know, I've grown to accept. Oh, and plus it was my sister's birthday two days ago. So this is our first day without Teresa, on top of losing the house, on top of the house being destroyed, on top of my mother falling down the stairs, on top of her not being able to walk again, on top of her being in screaming pain forever, on top, on top of Brad's dealing with his lawyer all the time, on top of not being able to touch my finances or anything. Or ah! So horror movies really didn't matter to me at the time. But like I said, that's in the past. That is in the past right now. Oh, and the other thing was that kept me from doing the show was that I could not find anything that was worth talking about. I watched a lot of movies. Don't get me wrong. I was desperately trying to find something worth talking about. And everything I saw was either not readily available, not really worth talking about for very long, or both. So I said, I don't have enough to do a show. Now, unfortunately, that trend has not ended. So what you're going to get it today, we're going to get a whole lot of quickies in Get in, get out. Uh, I'm done. So to speak. Um, oh, for some of you might know that uh, we have a ghost in our apartment. I know I've mentioned it on Facebook a couple of times. Um, I don't think I've talked about it here, but I guess it was last summer. I was sitting in the living room having a conversation with Brad about whatever. And just for a second, it was like the room... I was turning my head, and for a second, it felt like the room turned sideways. And in that moment, I saw somebody, just for a split second, standing by the refrigerator. I saw a man standing there with his back to me. And it was so fast, it was almost gone before it could register. And I sat there for a couple of seconds going, did, did I just see somebody? Did, did I? Did. And this had happened before. Different angle, but I saw somebody by the fridge. And so I just said something about it. I'm like, honey... This is going to sound weird, but I just, I, I could have sworn for a split second there was somebody standing in the kitchen by the fridge. And he was quiet for a while. He goes, yeah, I know. I've seen him about three times. And since then, I've seen him about five or six times. Always by the fridge. Brad actually sees him walking around. Usually sees him walking into the bathroom or out of the bathroom. So we have a continent ghost, which is nice. But Brad has decided that our ghost has a name, and his name is Scott. I'd like to take a moment to welcome Scott to the Scream Queens family officially. Yay. I don't know what your story is, Scott, but as long as you're here, I'm happy to have you. You don't seem to be a very scary person. You seem to be okay. So, um, welcome. Neat. Oh, the other ridiculous thing that happened during all this crisis was that Monster Mania came up in New Jersey, which is a convention. I figure I can't afford to go to Horror Hound anymore, especially not with this whole legal thing that's going on. So... Hey, this one's local. I'll be able to drive and just go out for the day. Plus, my friend, the famous Ann Bobby, was going to be on the panel there, uh, going to be on the guest list, uh, promoting Nightbreed because there's that new cabal cut that's been floating around. So there's a Nightbreed reunion, and Clive Barker was going to be there. And I'm like, hey, it'll be great. I'll go see Ann. I'll hear about, you know, get to see a new convention and promote my show, this little show that I'm doing here right now, to a whole new uh, potential fan base. And I said, okay, great. So I, I went to my parents' house, well, their condo now, picked up my car that I keep out there, and two Saturdays ago, I drove out to Cherry Hill, New Jersey for the convention. It took about two hours, and Brad didn't come with me, so I'm on the road again, I'm having fun, it's a beautiful day to be driving through New Jersey. And I got to the hotel, and I'm thinking, mm, I was early. The doors open at like 10, I was there at 8.30, and I'm like, okay. And 
I pull in. I'm like, huh, not a hell of a lot of cars in the parking lot, but hey, it's still early. And I got out of the car, and I'm walking into the lobby, and I notice that I'm following a group of people. And I'm only seeing them from the back, and they're all in black robes, and some of them have these elaborate black headdresses. And I'm like, up there they are. There's my Halloween people. Let's follow them. And I follow them in. I'm like, do-do-do-do-do-do. And I see a registration table right inside the lobby. I'm like, great. I'm in the right place. Fantastic. And I'm behind these people. I got on the line. And then I looked at everybody standing around the table. And everybody had three things in common. They were over 50. They were female. And they were black. Now, I'm not saying that these people couldn't be horror fans. But the fact that so many of them had those three things in common, I'm thinking I'm possibly in the wrong place. And then the three people in elaborate robes with headdresses turned around and I said, I'm definitely in the wrong place. This is not this convention. I'm like, maybe there's another convention hall. Walked around, there was not. I'm looking for signs. I see nothing. I pull up the information on my phone. Monster Mania was the following weekend. I was there a week early. So I drove a total of four hours for absolutely nothing. Because I'm a douche. I am the uber douche. And it was a drive home in shame. The only thing, the only good thing I thought about it was that, well, at least Bradford didn't come with me because I would never hear the end of this. He would be bitching the whole way home. He would have been bitching the whole way out because I would have made him get up before 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So that happened. (laughs) Or didn't happen, depending on how you look at it. And I'm thinking, well, and I said, shit, I can't go the following weekend because I went back in for one episode, as I talked about with Elena Acker when she was on Reviewing Time After Time, that I was going back into the Ryan case for a show on Saturday. And that was the day I was going to be able to go. So instead, I had to go do art. And I'm happy I went to do the Ryan case for a couple of reasons, because as I talked about with Elena, I was sad that I wasn't doing it this year. But going back for the day made me remember everything I loved about doing the show, but also everything I hated about doing the show and why I left. Because I loved doing the performance. I loved the people that I worked with. I hated the bullshit all around it that came from the production staff and our director. And I don't like to be telling tales out of school, but it was chaos when I went there. Unnecessary chaos. And I just said, you know what? I'm glad I'm not here. Good. And I got paid to find out that I didn't want to be there anymore. But (laughs) Ching, ching. So, oh, wait. There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about really quick. Because I've started smoking again. Oh, I know I had been doing so well. But with everything that was going on, all the stress, and as I said before, I smoke my feelings. I started smoking again, and I hate it. So, I've been talking to listener DJ who also is quitting smoking, and we've decided to hook up and become smoke buddies, smoke quit buddies. And we're going to check in on each other every day by phone or by text and just see how we're doing and see how we're feeling and make sure we each other stay on track. Of course, I have not started doing that because I can't start doing that yet because I'm an addict. There's no joke in that. I am addicted to nicotine in a big way. But I figure if I start bringing it up on the show, I am now accountable to all of you. It worked before. Hopefully it will work again. The other thing I'm doing, 
is that I am sick of looking the way I'm sick. Uh, I'm sick of looking the way I'm looking. Uh, before I got sick in 2004, I had completed the Body for Life program, which is this 12-week workout program that transforms your body, and it totally did. That body is long gone. I want it back. I've been going to the gym, but I haven't been pushing myself as hard as I'd like to. So the other thing I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be taking pictures of self. I'm going to be taking a picture of myself in my underpants or shorts, I should say, and posting it and doing that every week for the next 12 weeks so that I am accountable to all of you for that as well, for the transformation in my body for life body, because otherwise I'm just not going to be able to do it on my own. So the past couple of weeks have been the New York City Fringe Festival. So I'm going to bore you with theater talk for a while. However, this is off the cuff theater stuff. The Fringe is what it sounds like. It's all these offbeat productions and scripts from uh, up-and-coming writers and new production companies that are doing things that probably would not get produced otherwise because they are so off-center, which makes for some really exciting theater. It also makes for some really shitty theater, but that's part of the gamble. Every time you walk into a show, you're like, I don't know what this is going to be. This might be great. This might be absolute crap. I was lucky this year. Everything I saw was pretty good. I'm just going to run through some things very quickly, and you should be entertained because a lot of them have creepy things involved in them. Creepy subplot... Creep, creepy plot lines, or hot guys, or both. Muha. Now, the first thing I saw was a piece called Our Lady, and this was based on a true story. Uh, it was inspired by something that happened to this to the guy who wrote it and started it. It was a one man show, and evidently his his lover when he was younger, they were together for a while when they were you know teens and stuff, and then his church got him. You know, he got sucked back into the church, he got put into an anti-gay program, you know, a gay cure program, and eventually killed himself. And this loss generated all this rage in the one left behind, and that rage built, and it built, and it built, and eventually he rose like a phoenix, this new personality emerged out of him, of Our Lady, this drag goddess who is the embodiment of vengeance and embodiment of rage all that pent-up rage, rage not just for him, but for all the kids that we've lost to suicide over the past few years, all of them, every single one of them. And as long as Our Lady is out there doing her thing, killing with a smile, slaying with a look, that she is not going to lose another one of her children, not anymore. And this is a pretty powerful piece. Now, the thing with the fringe is a lot of things get brought in from out of town, and this was not this was one of them. This came in from Canada. And things have to be really scaled down because it's a festival, so whatever space you're in, there's usually another show coming in in 15 minutes. You cannot have big sets. You can't have fancy costumes. You've got to be in and out. No, you've got to be in and out, but you've got to get another 500 people in the audience in and out. I don't know what happened here, but like this guy, when he came out as Our Lady, I was like, ooh, not to, you know take things from RuPaul's Drag Race out of context, but I was like, ooh, Party City. It was weird. Like, the embodiment of rage came out and it looked like a Halloween costume exploded. It was like these horns that came out of her back and wrapped over her head and these big latexy looking skulls on her boobs and this terrible Halloween, you know, fright wig. And I'm like, ooh, this is not what I was expecting. I was expecting Glamazon. But it turns out, actually, when I went and I pulled up production stills from the original, um, production of it i'm like that's our lady that is the ice queen i was expecting to see fire and ice but i guess you know they had to make do with what they were able to get here maybe that's what they're 
costume designer decided, but that kind of hurt the production. But enough about this show. It was excellent, except for that, this one costume thing. But the next piece was called Pieces. And a part of me was really hoping that it would be a musical version of the Italian Chainsaw can- uh, College Massacre Madness movie. Because I personally would love to see somebody singing Linda Day George's, you know, big line, big song. <laughs> it's like, Boston, you bastard. But that didn't happen. It was actually still horror-based and gay. Well, not horror-based, but it, it was gruesome. Because it was about a gay Hollywood mogul who has been murdered. And not only has he been murdered, his body has been cut up into little pieces and strewn all over West Hollywood. And it's actually the uh, all about the law case surrounding uh, the person who allegedly did it, his one of his little boy toys that he kept at his mansion. And while this murder thing was, was important, it was actually about how the gay community has this incredible knack of tearing each other to pieces. You know, we all talk about inclusion and equality and community and then we get out in the bars and we're hateful we're all divided into our little cliques that society has put upon us is the you know the twinks and the bears and the muscle we're all divided into whatever little category cubby hole we've been stuck in and we will razor each other down for fun and it's about that kind of self-hatred inside the community and how it communicated into this mo- into this horrible murder this was okay this was actually okay. The problem I had was the acting was stilted. It was out of L.A., and it kind of felt like it was out of L.A. Because, I don't know, that they didn't seem ready for theater, these folks. Not to say that the piece wasn't good. It was really talky for a long time. But when it got down to business, it crackled. The other thing I thought was interesting about all the stuff I saw in, in The Fringe anyway was that all the gay stuff, which was a lot, none of it had any nudity in it. For the longest time, any gay play was required to have schlong. Because that was going to get butts in the seat. So it was refreshing, surprisingly enough, not to have penises waggling in my face while I was at the theater. It happened while I was at the snack bar. <laughs> now, the, other, the next show I saw was called The Hills Are Alive. Now, this was a spoof slash sequel to The Sound of Music. What happened when the Von Trapp family went off over those Alps? How did they get to the other side? Did they get to the other side? It was built as a dark comedy. And I said, ooh, ooh, maybe this will be like a musical version of the, of the Sound of Music meets The Hills Have Eyes. Hence, The Hills Are Alive. It wasn't, but you know what? It was still really funny and really dark. Because this, I love a musical with a body count. Because yes, the Von Tripp family, as they're called in this, they meet all kinds of horrible fates. There's bear attacks and... And the woman who plays Maria is completely psychotic because, you know, she was a nun, so she's got to be kind of crazy. And there's wild berry-induced drug trips. And one by one by one by one, the family gets whittled down. (laughs) And after a while, I'm thinking, are they going to have to resort to cannibalism soon? Because I would really like to see the Von Trapp family eat each other. Did it happen? Eh, I'm not going to tell you just in case the show goes somewhere. But this was excellent. Of course, there was Mother Eve's Secret Garden of Sensual Sisterhood, which we talked about with Elena Acker, starring Miss Elena Acker, which was brilliant. They actually did a lot of rewrites. There were some new scenes. There were some new cast members, and it just clicked, 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 clicked. Of all the shows I saw at the French Festival, this was the only one that got a standing ovation. So bravo, Elena. Bravo, Mother Eve. They got a standing ovation, even though I almost killed Mother Eve before the show, because I was volunteering, which is how I got to see all these shows, because I got to see them for free, because I went and helped out beforehand. 
And I was helping out beforehand. Uh, there was chaos at the box office because I'm outside handing out the will call tickets and these people are mobbing me and they're out of control and I'm trying to like rein them into where they're supposed to be and they're not going and all of a sudden I just like step backwards and I stomped on somebody's foot really hard and I'm like turn around and I said oh my god I'm so sorry oh fuck I just killed Mother Eve I just broke Mother Eve's foot oh god oh god it wasn't broken but you know I was still like that would be my day but fortunately, it was not. The other great thing that came out of this was that I got to meet a Scream Queen, another listener whose name is Dan. Now, Dan was actually in the original cast of Mother Eve's blah, 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 Central Sisterhood. And I'd seen him last year at the uh, whatever festival it was in. And Elena evidently had tipped him off to the show, how awesome it was. And he had been listening for a while now. And Brad was waiting online because I was doing box office stuff. And Brad, you know, for someone with social anxiety disorder, he could just start talking to a hole in the wall. So I don't really understand how that disorder works because it's there when it seems to want to be, like when I want to do something. But that's not the point right now. He was talking to him or whatever. I think he recognized him from the show. So they were talking about the mutual friend. Oh, well, you know, Elena. And he mentioned, oh, my boyfriend, Patrick. And Dan went, click, click, click. Wait, Brad, you know, Elena, Patrick. Are you dating Patrick from Scream Queens? Well, yes, I am, as a matter of fact. And Dan was like, oh, my God. And I heard about all this later. You know, and I met him after the show, and it was wonderful. I met him and his partner, David, and they were lovely, and we went for beers, and we talked about fun things, and it was a great show, and it was a wonderful, wonderful night, which brings me, I'm talking about the festival as quickly as I can, which brings me to the last show that I saw. Well, actually, it wasn't the last show, but it's the best show, so I'm saving it for last. And that show was called Poison Apple. You're gonna call the police? Yes. Seriously? Seriously. If you don't leave, yes. Well, I'm, I'm making you nervous. You are. All right, look, man, I don't blame you, okay? There's a lot of whack jobs in the city. You can never be too careful. Uh, the really cool thing about Poison Apple is it's based on a true story. It's inspired by a true story of real events that took place in New York City's health kitchen. Yeah, I heard this story from this guy that I... It was so horrifying that I thought it had to be an urban legend. I didn't think it could be true. And it really did happen. So I based my play on those very dark events that happened. <laughs> I assure you, your death will be quick and painless. What did you say? This was out of L.A. as well, but this did not feel like it was out of L.A. because these people knew what to do on the, on the theater, at the theater, on a stage, I should say. Now, this evidently is also based on a true story that happened to a friend of his, part of it anyway. I hope it was part of it because it was gruesome. It's two people, one set, no intermission, so it's kind of real time. It starts with this stranger forcing his way into this guy's apartment. This guy's cleaning his house, this banging on the door, somebody's saying, police, it's the police, open up, open up. He opens the door. The guy comes in. He's like, ha ha, funny. I'm funny. It's a big joke. And the guy's like, who the hell are you? I don't know you. And he's saying, oh, I'm a friend of, I'm just making up a name now. I'm a friend of Janet. She lives here. She still lives here. And he's like, yes, but she's not home. I'm her roommate. He's like, oh, well, I'll just wait for her. And basically forces his way in. But you just know there's something not right going on here. And this was an incredibly suspenseful hour and a half. Because you know there's danger here. You know something bad is going to happen. 
you know someone's probably not leaving this apartment alive. But from the second it starts, there's danger. That banging on the door, police, open up, open up. And that danger never really lets up because the guy gets, this is really complicated, I'm sorry, the guy gets himself into the apartment. Well, he's clearly a threat, right? You know, he forced his way in, and even though he's all pleasant and smiling, there's an intruder in your house who won't leave. Granted, there's all this pleasant-ish banter going on on the surface, but underneath there's just this dread. Who is this person that just came into your house? But what's clever here is that every now and then, the suspicion of where the danger is starts to shift. Like the guy whose house it was, the guy who was cleaning, he would say something that wouldn't jibe. And there'd be a split second of, wait a minute, what? What did he just say? But then you're back to pleasant conversation. Sort of, this kind of slow dance of suspense, this little chess match, all with smiles and cups of tea. But underneath, there's just something deadly waiting to snap at any time, and you don't know what it is. So the balance kept shifting back and forth. I'm going, I don't know which one of these two guys I should be afraid of. I don't know which one of these two guys I should be afraid for because I'm afraid and I don't know why. And that was a great feeling. And plus, they were both really attractive. They had some nice makeout scenes and the end was incredibly powerful. And I hope the show comes back. I hope there's another production of it somewhere because I would recommend this to anybody. I was glued to my seat for an hour and a half. Biting my nails. Now, in the advertisements, it mentions something like, uh, you know, it describes the plot. It says, which one of these two wheels the poison apple and which one will take a bite? I had figured that out. Now, I finally settled on a decision and it was the right one. I guessed what the gift was, but I did not guess how the package was going to be wrapped and that wrapping was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And I loved it. Now, the other amazing thing about this show is the writer of it. And also the star, one of the stars of it, Sean Galuska. Because after I saw the show, I picked up one of the fag rags that you pick up in the bar. And they had a little mini interview with him. And I almost fell over. Because it turns out Sean Galuska and I have a lot in common. But before I go rattling on and on about what Sean Galuska and I have in common, I want to tell you something that I gleaned from his bio in the show's program. Now I was looking at all of his credits, and they're all very impressive. You know, he did work on American Playhouse. That's very impressive. So lots of movie things. But I saw something that I know is going to make you so excited, dear listener. Because a lot of you are already, are already extremely familiar with the work of Sean Galuska. Because, as a matter of fact, from what I understand, a lot of you guys love Sean Galuska, but you just don't know who he is. Well, who the fuck is he already, Patrick? Why didn't you just tell us? Well, I'll tell you. Sean Galuska is none other than the voice of Ellis in Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah, that's right. The most popular character in Left 4 Dead 2 was right there you know, on stage in front of me, and I was watching him make out with another guy, and it was really happy. It even showed me a little unexpected flash of belly button that I don't think was supposed to happen, but was I complaining? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, so I just think it's cool because, it, you know, Ellis, I mean, all the straight boys love Ellis, even though personally I think he would be really hot hillbilly sex, you know, behind the barn, something like that. Um, even though, really, when I play, I'm more partial to Nick just because I know Nick is so darn neat and so concerned about that suit. I know that when that suit comes off, he's going to get freaky. He's going to get dirty. But anyway, that's not the point right now. I have to tell you what we have in common already. 
God, I talk a lot. And actually, I want to write him on Facebook. Find him on Facebook and send him this because I, I was, I'm like, I, I should marry this man. And the reason I should marry this man is because we both hate men in capri pants. But wait, that's not all. We both can't stand flip-flops. That's the big one right there. It's the flip-flop. One of the questions was, which trend do you wish would die? And he answered, capri pants for men. And flip-flops on anyone who is not within walking distance of a beach or pool. I said, Sean Galuska, take me away. Because as many of you know, one of my first episodes, I had a rant, rant, rant about men in capri pants. I can't stand them because every seems like everyone... It seems like every guy who wears capri pants secretly wishes that they were Jackie Onassis, and it drives me fucking crazy. And flip-flops. Not two weeks ago. Not two weeks before I had read this, this article, I had had that rant. That rant. That rant that went a little something like this. Worse than open-toed shoes and sandals are flip-flops. I hate flip-flops. I hate that flip-flops have a place in fashion outside of the beach now. It drives me crazy. Do not wear flip-flops and scuff your feet along the street because they are called flip-flops for a reason. They're supposed to go flip-flop, flip-flop, not that is the noise I want to hear when you're walking past me wearing flip-flops. I want to hear flip-flop, flip-flop, not like you're wearing corduroy pants and you're fat. I can't believe I just said that. So in my head, children, I figure either, I figure Sean Galuska is already a fan of the show. That must be it. He must be a fan of the show because he, he was inspired by my words and he said, you know what? You know what? Capri pants are really stupid. And flip-flops, gross. You are so right, Patrick. You are the coolest person in the world. Oh, I only wish he could get to see me in my show. But I did. It was density. I mean, destiny. It was fate. Has this gotten creepy yet? I hope so, Sean. Call me. Uh, I think that's about it that's been going on here. I don't know. <laughs> now that I'm stalking people through my show, I guess it's time to actually get into the show proper. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? There is one more thing that I wanted to talk about. There are times when I love living in New York City more than I can possibly say because of some little magical moment that could happen nowhere else. You know, something unexpected, and it just makes you go, oh, I am, I am in the coolest place in the entire world. So let me tell you what happened. I was on the subway coming home, middle of the afternoon. I forget what I was doing. Let's say something awesome. I was doing something awesome in the city because whatever I'm doing is awesome. And... I'm sitting on the subway and I'm reading my book or whatever and a guitar player got on and stands next to me and normally I get really annoyed because a lot of times it's mariachi or it's kids that are breakdancing and I'm always afraid I'm going to get kicked in the face or something or they're really loud and obnoxious and I can't stand it. But this is just a solo guy and he started playing America's Horse With No Name. And that's one of my secret favorite songs. A lot of people hate the song. It's also one of the only songs I can play on the guitar because it's only two chords. C, 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 G, 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 C, C. And so before I even really realized I was doing it, I was singing along. And then I sang the harmony part. And all of a sudden he looked at me. He's like, <gasps> and then we just had this duet on the subway. And it was really cool. And he shook my hand. Then he gave me a hug. I gave him $5, and I walked out and I said, yeah, that wouldn't happen in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Nothing against Tulsa, Oklahoma. But that much said, we're going to segue into the quickie movie review section. We're going to take the long way home. We're going to take a trip through the desert. Oh, look, there's a horse. 
I wonder what his name is. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at all the life. There were plants and birds and rocks and things. There was sand and hills and rain. The first thing I met was a fly with a buzz and the sky with no clouds. The heat was hot and the ground was dry, but the air was full of sound. I've been movie that I want to talk about right now is Rec 3 Genesis. I might play a trailer here. I might not. It depends. Clara, acepta este anillo como señal de mi amor y de mi fidelidad a ti. Now, this is, of course, the third installment in the Wreck series, and 
there's been a lot of controversy about this. The reactions to it have been really, really, really negative, and I can kind of understand why. But before I get into it, let me just talk about it a little bit. Uh, it takes place at a wedding. It's out of that apartment house setting that the other two have been in, and it's its own story. One of the things that confused me right off the bat is the tagline Genesis, because it sounds like it's an origin story, and if it is, I don't get it, because it clearly the infection comes from somewhere else in this. Anyway, it's a wedding. The bride and the groom are really charming, and all of a sudden, one of the guests has been bitten by a dog. He's a veterinarian. He's been bitten by a dog that's come in, so that's the whole tie-in to the other two movies, and it's not long before total pandemonium breaks out. Now, here's the problem that people have with it. This is not a wreck movie. It doesn't seem to be from that dark, nihilistic, no-exit kind of world that the other two films came from, and there's a lot of comedy in it. To be perfectly honest, there's a lot of comedy. The action isn't as intense, and I can see if you go in expecting another wreck movie, you're going to be sorely disappointed. However, on its own, as a movie of its own, I think it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of really good things going for it. One of the main things is what I just mentioned. The couple are so charming. I really want them to get out of this. I like them both so much, and I really felt that love between them, and it just felt really sad that this is happening on the first day of the rest of their lives together. Boo. Boo. There were some other little things that they kind of touch on that worked for me as well, because I realized at a certain point when everybody's turning and everybody's getting slaughtered, I'm thinking, oh my god, this is your family and your closest friends that you're fighting. That's really, really unpleasant. Yet at the same time, there's a lot of wacky comedy. Now, there is a character in this. I can't even really describe what's going on here because I think it is really funny. So I'll do my best to dance around it. When you first see this person, it's a it's a big, long, sweeping shot of the wedding reception outdoors on the lawn. And everybody's dancing and drinking and having a good time. And you see a bunch of children running by chasing this man who's carrying a bunch of balloons. And as he ran by, I went, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? You're like, what's the problem with it? Well, he's wearing a costume. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what it was. I'm like, what was that? Are they chasing a giant potato? What is that? And when you finally found out what he's wearing, it's even funnier. And the thing that makes it even funnier, 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 is that this guy in the costume is completely humorless. He's like the most blah boring, dead-faced person you can, you can ever expect. And for him to be doing this job, I think is hilarious. And the fact that he wears this costume for the rest of the movie made me really, really happy. But if I was watching a movie that was in that same world as Wreck, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? And there was something about the movie, it kind of felt like a cross between demons and, and Evil Dead 2 and, and things like that. Because there's a point where the bride has finally had enough and she fights back and she rips her skirt off so that, you know, she, you can see her garter hanging out. And it's definitely, you know, a comic book look for her. And she's got her chainsaw and she's just screaming at the, at the demons. This is my wedding! This is my wedding! And that would never have happened in the first two films. However, on its own, I had a great time. And at the end, well, I'm not going to tell you. But um, if you loved Wreck, you might hate this. If you're able to leave it aside, you might enjoy it. So enter at your own risk. And if you're going to this wedding and you're planning on bringing a gift, I would make it some sort of submachine gun. Next! Ah! The assessment weekend we would like to invite you to is but a mere prelude to what awaits you when you seriously consider joining us. 
My name is Matsuhiro Takahashi. Join us. I've done courses here before, and I've never seen anybody. And what are you going to assess now? How long it takes for us to lynch you? This entire operation is completely crazy! Sit down and shut up. <laughs> you wouldn't stand a chance in a real fight. Working for TLC means going to war. <laughs> Now, the next movie Mr. Brad and I sat down and watched was called... I can't even remember the title of this movie, so I'm going to have to pause for a minute and look it up because that's how boring it was. Okay, the movie was called Headhunter, colon, The Assessment Weekend. And this is a European movie that for some reason they didn't dub. They decided to shoot in English. And had they dubbed it, it might have been a bit better. And I mean a bit, bit better because the script, the English in it isn't very good. And some sentences you're like, what? What are you trying to say? Because it's all clearly a European cast who doesn't speak English or try to do English, uh, American or English accents, and they're not working. But anyway, it's about this group of business school students, and they're on career day. They're at a seminar that's put on by some Japanese company, and they said in order to apply for this Japanese company, you have to go on this assessment weekend in the woods because we are looking for a certain type of person. This is not your usual job interview. We have certain requirements that we're going to need from any applicant. There's a certain cutthroatness that you're going to need and blah, 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 blah. Regardless, six people sign up to go on this trip into the woods and it's not long before people are dying. Well, that sounds fun. People dying in the woods? Sure. Business assessment weekend? I said, yeah, in theory, but I already saw Severance. And that was a much better movie. And the fact that this felt so much like Severance was a real detriment to it because it even seemed to be shot in the same woods. You know, they were in Poland somewhere, somewhere in Eastern Europe, so the woods had the same feel, and there was so many... But the problem is, as I said earlier, it's just tediously boring, and every character, with the exception of one, maybe, is completely 
completely unsympathetic. And the one who's not unsympathetic is a complete idiot. So it's just and whiny. So it's it's that kind of a situation. Now, some people, I mean, even the lead girl, even your final girl, is obnoxious. 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 And granted, she's got huge boobs and she's always running. So every time she was on camera running, I was going, boing, 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 because those boobs are bouncing every way possible, which was moderately amusing. But at that point, I was really just searching for anything to get me through this goddamn movie. There were two things that made it worth watching for me. The first, it had one scary shot or at least ingenious shot. And I am going to spoil this, so just deal with it. Because I'm telling you, don't watch this movie. There's a point... Okay, okay, all right. The two girls, the two girls that are remaining, are, you know, running away from the killer, yet for some reason don't feel the need to hide anywhere. Which was fascinating me. They stop for the night, and instead of sleeping under some bushes, or in some kind of, I don't know, cave or anything, they sleep flat out in the open lakeside. You can see them for miles around. I said, you guys have no survival skills whatsoever. Now, the whiny girl gets up, and she appears to have snapped, because she goes down to the lake, and she's like, la, 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 oh, look at the water, it's so pretty. And I'm thinking, oh, she's going to drown herself, she's had enough. But no, that's not what happened. She's looking at, she's looking at herself in the, in the, in the water, and she's like, oh, oh, oh. I'm crazy now. Look at me. How pretty I am. And Bradford says exactly what I'm thinking. Like, oh, you're going to see the killer come up behind her in the reflection. And I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we were both absolutely wrong. Because instead of coming up behind her and seeing him in the reflection, he came up through the reflection. Like, it was her face. Then all of a sudden, it was his face coming up through her face in the water. Because he had swum through the water and was attacking her from below. And that was a really cool shot. And it was the only good bit of gore when he cuts her throat. And there, I've spoiled it. The reason why I enjoyed it, and I especially enjoyed it watching it with Bradford, was because the guy who snaps in this, the guy who starts taking it way too seriously, his name's Brad. Now, I've often said there's a movie trope that Brad's in movies are either the most awesome character or the biggest douches on the face of the planet, and this was the second scenario. Brad gets picked on the whole goddamn movie. He's the worst student. Everyone's like, oh no, Brad's coming on the weekend. Ew! Brad's the got the lowest grades. He's got stupid hair. He's a really horrible actor. Everybody makes fun of him. Pretty much every third line is making fun of Brad. And later on in the movie, when because the peer the people are aware that it's Brad who's gone over the deep end fairly quickly, and <laughs> one character in his dying throes. He's laying there on the ground. Big titty girl is cradling him in her big titty arms. <laughs> And he's looking at her going, just go on. Just leave me. But please, please, whatever you do, beware of Brad. I was howling and I was doubly howling because the sound on this was terrible so not only did I have the sound all the way cranked up but I had to put the subtitles on because everybody was mumbling so I actually got to read beware of Brad before he said beware of Brad and I was like ah! <laughs> Bradford's just like yeah you should beware of Brad Brad's gonna kick your ass I'm like you come and get me tough guy so this uh, headhunter the assessment weekend go watch severance again Next!
I watched was a Japanese movie from the director of The Grudge or Juon I should say and it's called The Shock Labyrinth and this kind of worked but eventually didn't it's about these five young people and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to explain this very well because it's Japanese and it's got that free-flowing feel well it turns out when they were kids they went to this they broke into a closed amusement park haunted house attraction something happened in there Five of them went in, four of them came out. One girl was never found. All of them have kind of sporadic or sparse memories of the event. And for some reason, all of a sudden, they're, they're all wind up in one place at the same time. And who comes knocking at the door? The fifth girl. The girl has been missing. She seems to have been in a hospital. She's got bruises all over her arms. They're trying to take her to a hospital because she's gone unconscious. She hit her head and now she's unconscious. And they go to a hospital, it's abandoned, and as they're walking around, all of a sudden it starts to turn into the haunted house attraction where all this happened in the first place. And from then on, it's a vengeful ghost Japanese movie. Not quite as predictable as the other, the thousand other revengeful Japanese girl ghost movies. As if, For instance, nobody gets attacked by any hair at any point, which I appreciated. But... This actually felt a lot like Triangle. Triangle meets the Funhouse. It had that layering of time because he keeps they keep actually seeing their younger selves running around this place as well, and the younger selves keep seeing them as well. So it gets really overlapped, and that's kind of interesting. It kind of gives me a headache after a while, but at least it was holding my attention. It falls apart in the last half hour. I guess maybe it's the whole Japanese aesthetic, but at the end I was kind of like, meh, who cares? Evidently this was shot in 3D, which, of course, I didn't see it in 3D because there's lots of stuff with a floating stuffed bunny backpack that was kind of creepy. 
And I could see how it would have been cool in 3D, but alas, I didn't see it in 3D. So why am I even fucking bringing it up? I don't know. Shock Labyrinth, if you like Japanese horror movies, if you like this director whose name I can't think of, if you like Triangle, if you like The Funhouse, check it out. Maybe. You probably won't love it, but you won't be too bored either. So, meh. Next. Ah! So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the part where the show goes awry. Because I had two other movies lined up for the quickie section of this episode. I was going to talk about Paranorman, the new animated 3D movie, and I was going to talk about, well, I was going to put listener Tommy from Toronto up against the wall for recommending me the movie Detention to watch. And even though I sat down and recorded and spent another hour and a half editing those sections, it just took one little twitch of my finger on the wrong key in the Audacity program to make that whole thing go poof disappear. Now, some of you are very concerned. I thought maybe there was a chance to recover them. They actually do exist in my temporary file. They're there, except I can't string them together, and it's in five-second chunks, so I might be able to salvage some of it if I feel like it, or I might just go ahead and re-record the whole thing, but either way, it wasn't going to happen for this show because, you know, let's face it, you guys have waited enough, but fortunately... Fortunately, Rich and those good folks over at the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup Group had a free screening lineup for me to talk about. Yeah, so last night, they took us to see The Apparition. And oh boy, I can't wait to talk about this because it's really something. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Actually, maybe we won't be listening to the trailer because you know why? Audacity is acting up again and it's not letting me record anything. So I'm just going to take that as a sign because this movie was terrible. Just terrible. Even for a free screening, Bradford and I wanted our money back. I want to return my popcorn, even though I already ate it. I ate it. I wanted to go up to the snack bar and just puke it out. Even that wouldn't have been payment enough, because, oh my god, I can't even believe this movie's getting a theatrical release, because it is boring, boring, boring. The script is asinine. And... And shitty, too! And what? And shitty, too. I thought he said, and shimmy, too, which makes no sense whatsoever. But if there was shimmying involved, the movie would have been more interesting. Now, the apparition tells the story. Okay, we go back in time to the, to the start, to 1975, where we're told about this scientific experiment that they were testing to see if you could cause paranormal activity to occur just by believing in something hard enough. So they were focusing all their energy on this character named Named Charles Reamer. Who this guy is, I have no idea. We spend no time on him. I don't know why they chose him to make a ghost. In, in a sense, that's exactly what they were doing. If we believe hard enough that the ghost of Charles Reamer is with us, then he will be with us. And they called it The Charles Project. Because I guess if they called it The Reamer Project, it would be a whole different movie. An interesting movie. Well, the experiment works. The table is jumping around and all the hippie people in their awful outfits are all clapping each other on the back. Now we flash forward, I don't know, 30 years, I guess, modern day, and we've got four college kids, you know, recreating the experiment. Except now, in the first experiment, they used a painting, and now they're using a statue that the girl just quickly carved to represent him. And But the twist is now, they're using these little brain helmet things that are supposed to amplify their, their brain waves, so that instead of like four minds thinking about it, it will be like 400 minds thi thinking about it. And I guess these 400 minds were really stupid, because yeah, it works, and some girl gets sucked into the wall. 
who cares? So now we flash forward again, it's modern, modern day, and we have a happy sort of couple that have moved into this house in the middle of nowhere, in the desert, in a pretty much empty tract housing thingamahoo. It kind of looked like the same one that was in the Fright Night remake. Might be, who knows, I don't really care. But, you know, no sooner have they moved in that weird things start happening, and it turns out the boy in the relationship, the boy, the man in the relationship was part of that second experiment, and it turns out his colleagues did a third experiment, despite one of their 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 cohorts disappeared forever into the wall. But now they used even super duper mega brain helmets to I don't really do you care? Do you care? Because I'm bored talking about it. Oh yeah, yeah. The only part that was honest about the whole movie is that they have these neighbors. It's their only neighbors. It's just, father and his daughter and their little fluffy dog and of course as soon as I saw the fluffy dog I leaned over to Brad from like that dog gonna die because that is the principle one of the major principles of horror movies the dog always dies and lo and behold it does but before it does it wanders into the house and just stands there staring at a corner in the laundry room just standing there staring and then just drops dead and I said that dog had it right, because that's what I about feel like doing right now. There's just nothing going on here. And the, the thing is, even though the script is terrible and stuff, there were moments that could have worked. Now, these quieter moments in the, in the beginning where they're finding like their cactus that they just bought dies instantly in the house. They find a weird stain that won't come up. Uh, they find weird mold growing under the house. Had the soundtrack not hammered the fact home that this is a horror movie because the soundtrack was so fucking heavy. Dun, 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 dun. Where like a little soft piano would have emphasized it or nothing. Don't give me a clue that this is something weird. Don't you? But everything was underlined, so it makes the people involved look even more stupid than their characters already are. Now it seems to be everybody's favorite point in the movie. The girl finds out what's going on. He's been trying to protect her. Like, if he doesn't tell her about this, what the origin of this quote-unquote haunting is, then maybe she'll be safe from it. Because apparently, like the tagline says, you have to believe in it for it to hurt you. Even though shit's already happening. But she goes and finds his uh, paranormal investigation stuff in the garage because the ghost moved it out for her to find it. And she sees it and she watches the tape where the girl got sucked into the wall. She sees all the haunting things happening. She sees everything. She sees a girl sucked into the wallpaper forever. And when he comes home, when he comes home, she's sitting there on the couch and she's got that face on that you're in trouble face with all the parapsychological equipment sitting in front of her. And he comes in, he's like, hi. And she holds up a picture of the girl that got sucked into the wall. And what does she ask him? Were you dating her? Because that would be your first question. Right? Right. That's kind of where the script is. And eventually, it just, yeah, the haunties get bigger and bigger. Her clothes get tied in knots. Her hangers got tied in knots. That was interesting. And... I don't know. It came to this whole, It kind of turned into pulse. It was trying to pass itself off as pulse. It was kind of having the same kind of a feeling that something crossed over. It wasn't the ghost. It was something else. And now the gate's wide open. And now all these other entities are coming through. And they want the world for themselves now. Does this sound familiar? And it seems like they will harass you enough. To the point where, where you break down, where you cannot take anymore, that's when they take you. That's when you get sucked into the walls. 
just like in Pulse. At least that, and I'm, I'm led to believe by the last scene that it's gone global because it's only the girl left. Everybody else is gone. And she wanders into a Costco, which, if you don't know, is a large package store, you know, gigantic thing, you know, monstrosity of a shopping emporium where you can buy things in massive amounts. Like, if you need 100 bags of frozen broccoli to buy at once, that's where you go. Anyway, she's, going, she's walking through. There's nobody in the parking lot, and somehow she gets into the store, which is also empty. So I'm thinking, did this, did, is everybody gone? Is that what you're trying to tell me? And then, for a, one last kick in the ass, the final shot of her getting sucked into the wall is the exact same shot they use for the poster. Fuck you. Apparition? More like crapparition. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Here's the other problem. Rich, who I normally make fun of because he's a complete doof, was on good behavior this time. He's tired. Of me making fun of him every time we have a screening because he does something just so silly. And so after the movie, I beat him up. I'm like, this is all your fault. This is all your fault for being such a doofus. He's like, I'm not a doofus. I'm like, yes, you are a doofus. He's like, it's not even my event. It was Galaxia's event. Galaxia is one of the, the, the co-hosts or the, you know, whatever. She runs her own events every now and then. And normally she wrecks them horribly. Like, you know, we go have a free screening and the, the film doesn't show up or something like that. But, and I, of course, I blame her personally. But he goes, well, it was a Galaxy event. I'm like, Galaxy was awesome. Because when we were waiting forever for the movie to start, I told Galaxy that Bradford was bored and that she should get up and dance. And you know what? She did. I remember back when we went to see the, uh, what was that movie? The Possession movie. The Devil Inside? I think it was The Devil Inside. I got up and started twisting because we had a DJ. And I'm like, hey, Rich, get up and twist with me. And he just stared at me with his big ball head and his eyes just going blink, 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 blink. And... He wouldn't dance with me. Galaxia danced with me. She's awesome. Rich, you're a wiener. But you know who's the big wiener here? Me. No, it's not. It's you. Because had I not hit that one little button that I was not supposed to hit in the Audacity program and erased all the wonderful stuff that I had been working on on Paranorman and on the movie Detention, well, you wouldn't have to listen to this shitty review about a movie that's going to be gone from the theaters before you can blink. But no, now it's out here forever. It's on the internet forever. The big loser, you. Well, no, because you didn't have to actually watch the movie. I guess it's me. I don't know. An apparition? Go fuck yourself. A man in my shoes runs a light all the papers light tonight, but
Hi, Patrick. This is Zebediah Berwick from Missoula, Ooh. Montana. Um, Hello. You can just call me Zeb. Those are my initials. Zeb. Um, but I prefer that you don't uh, refer to me by my full name. If you do, just call me Zeb. And Zeb it don't is. don't say where I'm from or anything. But I just wanted to tell you, um, I just found your podcast um, about two weeks ago. First time caller. I've been listening nonstop. I'm only up to episode 28, Road Games. Oh, my gosh. And I'm only halfway through... Road games, just the end of your review of road games. I gotta wow. tell you, I just wanted to thank you. I wanted to say thank you so much for all you've been doing oh. and how oh, amazing your podcast is. Oh. And uh, it's just been great. Um, let me just tell you, just try to make this real quick. Um, I'm 33 years old. Um, I just got out of uh, an 11 year relationship with a girl who just uh-huh. took off from me. And uh, oh. the past year or so, I've been pretty down, uh-huh. pretty alone. I'm in a town where I don't have anybody else and uh, then she just left she left town and uh, I'm here all alone and uh, it's been pretty rough but uh, one of the great things that's helped me through some of these times has been like podcasts especially yours um, I feel like when I listen to you you're almost like a friend oh. even though I have obviously I have no idea I never met you probably never will but I gotta say you're so personable and you're so great everything you do is so wonderful and I just love everything you do and uh, I have so many of the same interests and uh, have so many of the same thoughts about movies and music and TV and everything else that you talk about it's just just great and uh, everything you do is just wonderful and uh, I appreciate it so so much so I just wanted to call and thank you and uh, I'm gonna try to get caught up on your entire back catalog. But like I said, oh. I only started two weeks ago. So, Take your uh, time. Oh, my God. I'm on 28 already. So I've Jesus. got a little bit more to go. But I want to get up there and uh, to the most current. And then I just hope you keep doing what you're doing forever. Because <laughs> I think you're great. And I think you're wonderful. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you want to get a hold of me, don't post this information. But my email is... And thank you again so so much for all you do and uh, I think you're amazing I think you're great so just wanted to say that and again I just want to say <laughs> you're awesome and I don't think I can uh, stroke your ego anymore so I, I'm going well, to good night please keep Thanks. going good night <laughs> well, not going to get an argument from me well Mr. Zeb thank you so much for calling in that was a hell of a first call um what, you shocked me into silence I'm not used to such praise. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm usually the one praising myself. But um, I'm really sorry that happened to you. When you're That's really awful. And I'm happy I can help you through somehow. That, that means a lot that you, you reached you out and shared all that. That sounds so corny to be like, thank you for sharing. But no, no, for real, it, it doesn't. I moved. Nothing is um, going right. And when you say about... I feel like I'm a friend. That is kind of my goal. I've learned this over time during this podcast. You know, they always say, oh, imagine you're talking to someone. Like, yeah, obviously, because otherwise you just sound like you're reading, but which I'm not. Yeah, But I've kind of figured out over time, you know, when I started this, it was kind of an ego project to a degree, and it's become almost not that. I mean, there's a little ego involved. I've discovered that the most important person in the conversation that's going on right now, and even though I'm the only one talking, for the most part, it is a conversation. I'm talking to you, and the most important person in this conversation is you. Well, all of you, but, you know, I am just, I'm that guy who's in your earphones, and I'm talking to you. 
and I've gotten to know so many of you on a level that I never thought I would, and um, it means a lot that you reached out and shared that. And I see you called again, sir, so let's see what you got to say. I hope it's more about me. <laughs> oh, by the way, take your time. These episodes aren't going anywhere, but I appreciate your enthusiasm. Your ravenous hunger, if you will. Ooh, ooh, Zeb. Lord. Hi, Patrick. It's Zebediah again. I just called just hey, a little Zeb. bit ago, but I just started listening to episode 30, and uh, you had mentioned how your cat was sick, and I just want oh. to tell you I hope everything's okay with him. And uh, I know I'm probably jumping the gun because there's so many more episodes that I could keep listening oh, to. Oh, there's so much more drama out, with that cat. I just found out that uh, your cat was not feeling well. I just wanted to extend my... Uh, well wishes and and just hope that he's okay or she. I'm not sure which is it is. He, they're and, both uh, he's. Again, I just uh, also wanted to reiterate uh, my sentiments from before. Um, oh, please do. Those are uh, you're amazing. <laughs> I love you, and I think you're awesome. Yay! Uh, so just great. And uh, okay, I'm gonna go back to just listening to you again because I got some more time. Okay. And. Uh, so just again, thank you so so much. You're very you're welcome. Thank you so so much. And uh, and uh, like I said, uh, I think you know how to get a hold of me if you need to. I um, certainly so, do. Uh, thanks again for all you do because I really think you're just super amazing, terrific, oh, wonderful, perfect. Wow. So just again, thank you. All right. Good night. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Seriously, Mr. Jeb. Can I hire you just to follow me around? <laughs> the amount of negative self-talk that goes on in my head is astonishing. To have you sitting at my right-hand side at all times. Well, maybe not all times. Just saying that. Come with me to auditions, for God's sake. Be my PR manager. That would be amazing. Okay, yes. Uh, I'm not sure which cat crisis you're dealing with. Probably the Tyler in the hospital thing, he's fine. He's big and fat and fine. He was in an infection of the fat, and we can't get this cat to lose weight. He's a pig. And Sebastian's fine. They're both fine. Thank you for asking. And um, thank you for calling. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Hey, it's DJ from New Hampshire again. Hey, DJ. Um, I just listened to episode 63, you know, yes. going back in time and all that. Whoa! Uh, is that really what my voice like, I mean, God, I mean, I, I get it now. When I called GameStop a while back, you know, about going for a midnight release of a video game, they told me, oh, make sure you bring your parents a stand. But apparently, I really do sound like a 12-year-old girl. Hey. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention to you, uh, I know it goes way back in your podcast history of things you have mentioned. Yes. But I finally got my chance to watch Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Yay! Awesome! Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Great! It was a lot better quality than I thought it was going to be. I thought so, too. Like, when I first heard of it, I seriously thought it was going to be one of those movies where they say Hillbilly, but it's really just, you know, two really hot college studs playing 22, even though they're 35 or something, and, you know, they're fighting off a bunch of zombies and demons, but... Nope. It turned out to be quite the opposite, and I love that about the movie because they actually cast, well, not unattractive, but less attractive people as the main characters. Well, I and think they're both it, cute. It was actually really satisfying, and the death scenes were 
they weren't particularly gory or, you know, I've seen much worse. Yeah. But no, it was comedy. Still, some of the most entertaining stuff I've seen in a while. I couldn't stop laughing. Uh-huh. But, you know, also I was surprised in the quality because I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, just like really... You know how when you watch a soap opera and the video quality just seems like way Off. too fast of a frame rate for the movements they're making? Yes. I thought it was going to be like that, but it was actually really good and it had mood to it. Okay. So I just wanted to call about that stuff. Uh, maybe stop bothering you. Um, oh, no bother. Yeah. Okay, bye. Okay, DJ, I'm guessing from your call that you really liked Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Okay, and I think you're probably the only person on the planet who, when they thought about the movie before they saw it, thought it was going to be like a soap opera. But that's okay. You're entitled to your own individual opinion. I celebrate the unique voice. So, (laughs) and speaking of unique voice, I didn't even do that on purpose. Yeah, your voice is high. So what? Doesn't bother me. Actually, as a matter of fact, I this is a personal beef of mine. Uh, I like guys and women who speak in their natural voice. Most people don't. Um, this is acting stuff talk coming out. Most people, most guys try to lower their voice. Most women try to uh, raise the pitch of their voice. And as they never sound like themselves. And I always appreciate somebody who's not trying to sound like somebody else. So if that's what you sound like, embrace it, love it, because I do. Okay, it's not like we're going steady or anything, so get over yourself. God, isn't it past your bedtime? Oh, snap. Bye, DJ. Hi, Patrick. It's Lauren. Lauren. Uh, I'm sad I didn't get to uh, meet up with you in Queens. I know. I was in New York this weekend, that but there will be a next time. Um, but I was. the show was absolutely delightful. Great. And, uh, I, I I don't like I said on the Facebook post, I danced along. I did your your choreography yes, to the, <laughs> the song from Feed. It was very exciting, and I I, looked, I felt very glamorous doing it. I'm sure um, you did. Okay, let's see what else. Point it yourself. Uh, and uh, the story about the the movie with the my hands are right here reminded me of a of a story about um, a young man who I know and how he how he. Um, I don't oh. think it's how he, it wasn't how he decided, learned, he knew he was gay, but it was the last oh, time God. he ever slept with a woman. Oh, um, God. He'd gone over to this girl's apartment and was making sweet, sweet love to her. I see where um, this is going. Which he basically explained consisted of, is this okay for you? Is this okay for you? Is this, because he didn't know. And then he felt she was like digging her fingernails into his butt. And, uh-huh. she was, and he said, could you, that's really uncomfortable. Could you stop doing that? And so she put her hands up in front of him and said, my hands are right here. And he looked behind him and there was a ferret. Ah! A pet ferret was clinging onto his butt. No! He tossed that ferret across the room. It lived. Um, I always thought that was a true story, but I don't know if it's some sort of apocryphal uh, urban legend about... um, But now that I've heard that there's like a movie scene where that comes directly out of, please, please inform us. It wasn't a ferret! um, it's been a shitty summer for me, but Scream Queens has made it much, much better from okay. my first ER visit. It's going where around. Where I was uh, listening to you give me a gold star and talking about people's hooves. 
<laughs> on the subway, and I saw that do not wear flip-flop sign. Thank you. Um, and as I've, as I've told you, I've had a few more uh, uh, health problems over the summer, mm. but I'm glad I can finally call back in and um, uh, keep up the good work. Love you. Bye. Love you back. Well, Lauren, they say that uh, laughter is the best medicine, and if that's the case, you were in the goddamn right place. This stuff is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Lauren and I, Lauren came to my neighborhood. Well, not my neighborhood. She was in my part of the woods, and we were hoping to meet up while she was there. But I forgot what happened, but I couldn't make it. I had to cancel, so I was the douche. And I don't remember what show you went to see. I think it was Rocky Horror, maybe? I don't remember. I could be wrong, because it was like a month ago, because I haven't done a show in 16 years. But, um... That was a horrible story, Lauren. That was a horrible story. I thought it was going a whole different way because based on that scene from the movie Evil Laugh, which I don't actually think I said the title of when I gave the review last episode, where the couple was making sweet, sweet love, a hand came up through the mattress and started touching the guy's butt, but they kept making love. And you know, okay, if you didn't hear the episode, go back and listen to it right now. I'm not repeating the whole story just for your fucking benefit, okay? That is really selfish of you. Now back to Lauren. Anyway... (laughs) I thought you were going to say that, oh, it's not, because you let off with, oh, it's not who he discovered he was gay. I thought you were going to say she stuck a finger up his butt or something went up his butt. I was not expecting a ferret to be riding his butt because that ain't right. That is a rodent, if I'm not mistaken. If it's not a rodent, it should be. That's not how you decide that you're gay. That's how you, you decide that you go to go lock yourself up in an asylum for a long time and lick the wallpaper for the rest of your life. I don't know. I got nothing. Anyway, I'm glad I can be with you during this rough period. I know how much hospitals suck. You're talking to the queen of hospitals here. And um, get better, goddammit. Yeah. Well, after a wrong number, <sighs> guess who's back to scream queens with a Mikey? Z? Metal Mike? Mikey! Mikey! Right. I'm back. I'm listening to this show again. What? what? Patrick and by what? proxy. What? Hello, Brad. And okay. what show did I decide to make my grand return for? I don't know. Friday the 13th, part five. No. A new beginning, appropriately enough. Except I'm no fake, Jason. I am the real fucking deal, baby. But first off, you know, uh, PT, I'm going to actually embrace that term now forever. I have to take a piss. One of my frequent piss breaks throughout uh-huh. the day. A uh-huh. uh, song line featuring the term fuck is a great time for a mic to kick in, but seriously, I really do thank you for the great stories that you told about the Denver Chorus Convention. It was yeah. really heartwarming, and I'm not being sarcastic remotely in the thank light you. of that. Thank you. As for Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, wow, most hated Friday the 13th entry, really? Yeah. Well, you know, you're going to get to the rest of them. I'm going to debate that with you when you actually reach that point, but... There's one thing about this movie that you fail to connect to that I probably do, and that I probably have a lot more horror stories to deal with liquid poop than you probably do in your life. Oh, well, lucky you. Diarrhea is something that terrifies me (laughs) and is a part of my semi-regular basis on a week. So no wonder I tell so many shit stories on my own show because it is a part of my life. Okay. Uh, Breath spray on the tits. Well, you have to remember that. As a suggestion to all the ladies out there, you know, you, you really want to impress me, 
They really want to, you know, romantically pull me in. Just play some banaka on your boobies. <laughs> I will appreciate that. And, uh, <sighs> you know, it was this shout-out near the end of the show that made me realize there's two people against Geminis. You, yourself, and another caller. I think it was Nixie. It made me sad because you know what? I am a I Gemini. I'm not against okay? Geminis. I can't help the star sign I was born under. But again, I loved the episode. I miss calling in. I miss Scream Queens. I'm back. Yeah. You're not going to shed me that easily. Oh. But, you know, before I leave, I figured as a special treat, I would get a special guest caller. So. Let me hand the phone over to somebody a little special. I'm sure, you know, his appearances are quite interesting, so hold on. You better make it fast. You're almost Wait, out of time. That thing on. Well, you know there's no phones on Itania. What are you talking about? Oh, yes. I'm supposed to be talking to Patrick. Hello, Patrick. This is Baby Skeletor. Yes, oh, the one oh. and only. <laughs> and Hi, I Baby Skeletor. Say, if you ever want an employment spot on Snake Mountain... Oh, no, baby Skeletor, what happened? <laughs> you went overtime, that's what happened. Clearly Metal Mikey hasn't been listening in a while, otherwise he would have known that the time limit on the voicemails has been shortened from five minutes to three and would have made a fool of baby Skeletor. <laughs> He's going to be so, no wonder he grows up so cranky. <gasps> He was probably going to be a good Samaritan before this call happened. Wow, I have changed the destiny of the entire planet of Eternia. Feel my power. Now I'd like to address my attention to the beginning part of this call. And actually, DJ, I would like to point out that Mikey is another person who has a voice like a 12-year-old girl. But he embraces that. He's got his own podcast, the Action Attraction Podcast, where he talks about action movies. He talks about action movies sounding like that. Without shame, without guilt, without embarrassment. And the funny thing is, too, is that not only does he have the voice of a 12-year-old girl, he's got the body of a 75-year-old woman. <laughs> <laughs> And Mikey, I don't hate Geminis. I did not like the particular star sign of Gemini this year. As in, I did not like when the moon was in Gemini or whatever that bullshit was. I didn't like the Gemini time of year. It's the Gemini time of the year. And go fuck yourself. And you know, when you come up whining to me, then maybe I don't like Geminis. Whatever. But how can I hate you with that cute little teeny tiny voice? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Because I know you called back. Or Baby Skeletor called back. Or somebody called back. So shut up, Patrick, and listen to the fucking call. I think I will. Okay, bye. Dad, damn it. Baby Skeletor. For the other half of the call. Little Mikey shared this phone once more. Uh -huh. And I got cut off. You're not a He-Man sympathizer, are you? If you are, by God, I might have to revoke my employment offer. But you know what? I'm Shira all the way. Like such a wicked soul. If you need employment, by all means, send an application over to Snake Mountain. I mean, really, Patrick, can you do any worse than Beast Man or even that godforsaken Stinkor? All well, he I does do, all day I, is I got nothing. go on the computer and browse butt sex porn. I'm not sure what is up with that little skunk creature. What? But anyways, once more, I also enjoy Scream Queen. That's. Oh, Green cranes with a Z. Shit. Get what I did there. <laughs> Get 
Say it easy. Patrick Goodbye. <laughs> Why, thank you, baby Skeletor. That was insane. And I never thought that my first celebrity endorsement would come from a fetus. A skeletal fetus. But, you know, the life is full of surprises. And who knows? I'm, ha- I'm kind of desperate for work right now, so I might come and, 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 and apply to go work at Snake Mountain, which I think I saw that movie. Well, there were snakes in it. Well, actually, they looked like snakes. Actually, I didn't see that movie. Never mind. Never mind. I tried to make a dirty joke and failed miserably. So if a bad dirty joke teller job is available on Snake Mountain, then that would be me. And like I said before, I was the princess of power all the way. Thank you. That girl didn't know how to wear her crown. Bah. And as for He-Man, I just thought he had a lot of balls calling himself He-Man with that haircut. I mean, he looks like he was auditioning for a children's theater version of Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. At least it could have been an asymmetrical Bob. Oh, that would be a great character name. Hi, I'm Asymmetrical Bob. That was a terrible joke. Ah. Hi, Patrick. This is Aaron in Kannapolis, North Carolina. I'm Hello, a Aaron. new listener, and <gasps> I'm gorging on your show. First time and caller. Loving it. And so now I'm a first time caller. Oh, you baby, doing yeah! And I'm calling for a couple of things. One, I'm curious to know if you've ever seen a film by directed by James Whale, the Frankenstein Bride of Frankenstein guy. Yes, I think mm-hmm. that was his name. Called the Old Dark House. Of course, I'm interested I have. in your thoughts on this movie because I saw it a couple of years ago, and I thought this movie is. Is it's about passing for straight, and I rewatched it? it and I saw there are all these little clues in it. It's all about passing for straight. Really, it's a very strange movie and a very creepy one. Yeah, and it's it's a good haunted. Although it's not a haunted house, it's a no, good no sort of strange going Halloweeny type movie. Weenie. <laughs> so I'm curious what you had to say about that. Also. Uh, one thing I love about your podcast yes. is a lot of people who don't get horror think, like like me, once upon a time, uh-huh. they used to not get horror. And people who don't get horror think that people who like it must be debased, must love or be desensitized to real violence and real pain uh, and real suffering. Not and your all. podcast proves that that's not so. Because uh-huh. when you talk about horror movies, about pretend suffering and pretend killing you you take it for entertainment huh you know it's entertainment you know it's fun because you know no one got hurt no no one's getting killed it's no. not about real cruelty or real absolutely death absolutely not and when you talk about things in your own life people you know people who are suffering people who are dying the compassion that you have your understanding of real suffering and real pain it it comes through so clearly, and it's obvious that you're not confused. No. You know the difference, and that's something that's really beautiful, and oh. that's part of what I love about your show. So oh. thank you for that, Patrick, and uh, I hope you're able to keep the show going for years to come, and I hope your career just is going to be so much better. Not, not that it's bad now. I don't know how it is, but that it's going to be just 
amazing going forward. You're great, Patrick. Take care of yourself. And Mr. Brad. Bye. Uh, Aaron, thank you for the call. That was another amazing, moving call. So did, do you guys have a bet? Did you and Zeb get together and have a bet? Who can make me cry more during the voicemail section? Because you both did it. I'm not ashamed of that. It's all good. Um, thank you. That really meant a lot to me. Uh, and yeah, I, d- I do know the difference. And I don't take any pleasure in actual suffering. Absolutely not. And, you know, also, I, I make a point. When I talk about movies, like I always want to sympathize with the people in it. I want to like you. I don't want to. Part of me doesn't want you to die. If you do it right, if you're doing it right, I want to say, no, I don't want to see any of these people die, or at least some of these people not die. But anyway, uh, oh, The Old Dark House. You know, I did see it, and speaking of suffering, I saw it when I was getting better, and like when... I don't know how much you've heard of the show, but when I was sick, it hit me neurologically and it hit me psychologically. Um, So my processing skills took a lot of time to come back. I saw it. I didn't care for it. It seemed like the longest hour and five minutes ever. But watching it again in that frame of mind, I think I might have to do that. That little secret message that you had in there. And it wouldn't surprise me given that it was James Whale. Um... So thank you, Aaron, and I think this is the beginning of another beautiful friendship. But I can't go steady with you either. I can't go steady with you and Zeb and and DJ, and I can't even go steady with Zeb because he's straight. But, you know, I'd go steady if he asked me, maybe. I don't know. Just because I'm empathetic doesn't mean I'm not a slut, okay? Thank you, Aaron. Bye. Oh my God, you know what? When it comes down to the point where I am sexually harassing my listeners, it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week. So if you want to be like all these awesome people who really made my day this week uh, with their voicemail messages, you can give me a call at 347-767-3509. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com and that's queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can join the Facebook Screamers fan page. Or you could just sit at home alone with your thumb in your butt. Which I'm doing right now. Ew. Anyway, just on a serious note, it's kind of funny. You know, in the beginning portion of the program, I was talking about how things have been rough lately. And things have been... uh, My mood has not been great. And I'm a big believer in... serendipity that the universe gives you what you need when you need it but sometimes you just don't notice but it was like zeb and aaron your calls came in at just the right time to give me the boost that i needed and that is awesome and that makes me feel good it makes me feel great about this little community that we built uh, well i've built for you but you know that we've all built together if i want to be like democratic and everything and it just makes me warm and fuzzy all over So next time, uh, clearly I'm going to be talking about the two movies that I didn't get to this week, hopefully. And I don't know what all else, but you know what I do know all else about? I know that on Sunday, September 16th at 11 p.m. 
at 11 a.m. Las Vegas time, I'm going to be broadcasting my first live episode as part of the Pride 48 celebration. What the hell is that, do you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Pride48.com hosts a whole bunch of gay podcasts and, you know, well, GLBT podcasts. And once a year, they have a convention in Las Vegas. And for 48 hours straight, they do live broadcasting of uh, of gay, lesbian, transgender, pi- uh, transgender, bisexual podcasts from all over the country. And I'm going to be one of them. Am I going to Vegas? No. But I will be there in spirits, and I will be having my live show cherry popped by Scott the Seder from the Seder Sphere. So it's going to be scary fun. But don't worry if you can't make the show, because that will be my next episode. Well, not the next episode, the next episode after the... Shut up! Why do you make everything so complicated? Guys, Sunday, September 16th at 11 a.m. Nevada time, whatever the hell time that is. I probably should have looked that up before I started recalling that, started recording this, but oh well, I didn't. So until next time, my little freaks, my little wonderful freaks, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, I hope you learned your lesson about pushing buttons without thinking about it. Because as your granddaddy will tell you, you push my button, I'll lose all my stuff too. I'm talking about my clitoris. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up going to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches!